The difference between cows and buffaloes in Oklahoma. When a storm comes, cows can sense it and they take off running. But buffaloes, when a storm starts brewing, they get together, they get connected in community and they actually take on the storm head on. They go straight towards the storm. They go right into it because they know there's no way that we're gonna get through this if we try to go around it or if we try to go under it or try to go above it. The only way is to go through it. And when buffaloes charge together, there's something about the community. They stay strong and they come out, on that, out of that storm stronger on the other side. What it's going to take this year to overflow, to get to a place of healing, you're gonna to have to stop running from all these things. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants some people to get healed, but you gotta go into the storm this year. And this might mean that you sign up for men's discipleship class. This might mean you might get around some other buffaloes and get in our restore class on Monday nights and go, I'm gonna invest in healing because I have been holding on wounds against my husband, wounds against my dad, wounds against my sister. I've been so angry and I'm trying to be the best version of me, but I'm just, I'm chained to my past. And I'm, I want you to get free this year. Peter asked Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive someone who hurts me? How many times do I have to forgive people who offend me? This was in Matthew 18, verse 21. Peter's like, just tell me. Jesus says 70 times seven. Jesus was saying, it's not about a number. As much as you need to breathe, you need to forgive. Because the better version of you, Peter, is on the other side of going into the storm of whatever someone did to you and facing it head on. Whatever they said about you, however they treated your wife, whatever they did to your kids, whatever it is you've been holding against someone. Peter's like, I just want to cancel somebody. I just want to cut somebody's ear off. I just want to ghost somebody. In a world of cancel culture, kingdom culture shouts something different. Come on, church. Somebody say kingdom culture. So in a world where people are so quick to cut off friends, family, relationships, when you get hurt, offended, and they go through strife, conflict, as a church, we want to commit to working through that so we can build healthy, long-lasting relationships. You know, we asked the couples here today that celebrated 60 years of marriage. Uh, you don't make it 60 years with any relationship uh, without walking through conflict and, and difficulties and learning to reconcile, learning to forgive, learning to never give up. So today I want to pick up where we left off last week, talking about the buffaloes. I want to title the message, Leaving Lonely Behind. If you're taking notes, note takers are history makers. Just title it, Leaving Lonely Behind. If you've got a Bible, go to Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9. Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9. And it says, I love this, this passage here. He says this, um, two are better off than one. Two are better off than one. Now, he's not talking about marriage here. He's actually talking about doing life with people. Uh, you don't have to be married to be fulfilled. You don't have to be married to, to have a, a great relational life. In fact, you could be married and still have really bad relationships and, and not have a great marriage. The point that he's trying to make here is don't do life alone. Don't let loneliness take you away from community. Don't let this feeling of nobody likes me, nobody's there for me, no one's checking up on me, nobody invited me to their Super Bowl party, nobody cares about me. I'll invite you to a Super Bowl party. Go to somebody's Super Bowl party. Tell them Pastor Paul invited you. Just crash the party. Okay, BYOB, bring your own Bible. Just show up and, no. I'm, but the point is, is sometimes we feel so lonely and we feel like nobody's thinking about us and no one's our friend 
and, and, and what he's saying here is you gotta be friendly to have friends. You gotta get rid of this attitude of, of, of pitiful, poor you, nobody's looking out for you, and you gotta get connected in community. You gotta break that, that mindset of isolation. So often the enemy um, thrives on keeping us isolated, keeping us lonely, and he says, listen, you gotta get connected. Like, men, you need a brother. Ladies, you need a sister. You need someone in your life that you're connected to, that knows your name, knows your number, that knows when you're in the hospital, that knows when you're walking through a trial, a struggle. He says, two are better than one, for they can help each other succeed. I want to give a shout out. Our, our boys are in basketball right now. All three boys are playing on different teams. And it was so cool yesterday watching one of their games. Um, we told our son, we said, hey, help this guy score his, four, his first bucket. He hadn't got to score yet, and all the other kids have been scoring. And, and my son looked at me, he's like, well, what do I get out of it? I said, that's not the point. It's not about you. Somebody say, it's not about me. See, the world teaches us climb to the top and climb over whoever you need to get to to get up to the top, but kingdom culture is different. We are better together. We're better when we pull people up with us to the top. It's not about how fast you can get successful. It's who are you bringing with you? So I told my son, I said, listen, help him score. If he scores, I'll give him some money. My son was like, are, am I going to get money too? Or is he the only one that's getting? I said, I got a couple dollars in the wallet. He was like, well, can I get a couple of those dollars too? Sometimes you got to teach your kids with some rewards to do the right thing. So I just said, hey, listen, just help him score. So he kept passing and passing. And then finally he was able to take a shot, made both free throws. That, that guy scored his first bucket. It was so cool. The, the crowd went wild. But I love the picture in that moment of helping each other win. You never lose when you help someone else win. And sometimes what's keeping us in this isolated, lonely place is we are only thinking about ourselves. And, and loneliness gets us very self-centered. It gets us very self-focused. Nobody called me this week. Pastor Paul forgot to shake my hand. You know, these people aren't checking up on me. And we can carry this lonely spirit you know, in 2020, research and scientists, they did a study across not just America, but nations of the earth. It was the most lonely time that they had ever recorded. People admitted, they said, I feel more lonely than ever after COVID. Just people feeling, I feel so alone. And we have Instagram, we have FaceTime, we have Zoom calls, we have uh, phones, we have text messaging, we have emails. We have all these ways to connect digitally, but the world discovered we were not created for internet friendships. Those are fine. But we were created to do life with people. We were created to connect with people. This is why Hebrews says, don't neglect gathering together. Don't stop meeting together in your homes and in church and, and worshiping together, praying together, because there's power in community, physical community, doing life together. You know, I think about how he goes on to say this. He says, um, when one person falls, in verse 10, look at this. If one person falls, by the way, we're all going to fall at some point. We all fall. I, Ashley and I, we got five kids and we've gotten to watch each of them learn how to walk. And as learning how to walk, each kid starts off crawling and falling. It's a little bit of a crawl, a little bit of a fall. They stand up, they take one step, they fall down. How many of y'all got babies in the room? How many of y'all used to be a baby? All right, most of us in this room. Some of y'all were born a, an adult. God bless you. Um, but for those of us that, that grew up as a baby, we understand we all fall. But thank God for a mom, a dad, a guardian, a grandmother, a friend that lifts us up and says, keep walking, Paul. Keep walking. You can't do life alone. You know, I asked the band to stay up here because I wanted to show something. I, I, I don't want anyone to play for a second, all right? When there's no music, you're like, hmm, I miss the music, all right? But imagine if only one of them was playing. I just want the bass to play, just, yeah. 
Yeah, that sounds pretty good. I think I know that song. How many of y'all want another instrument to come in with them? Yeah, drums, come on. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Let's get a little bit of keys, a little bit of keys. All right, let's, guitars. I want some guitars to come in here. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit of that electric slide. Yeah, get that going. Come on, just groove with me for a second. I got sunshine. Sing it out with me, church. On a cloudy day. I'm going to let you sing it. the month of May. All right, we're going to stop because we'll all just start wanting to, to like watch a chick flick or something. It's getting too romantic in here. Just stop it. Band, thank you so much. Give the band a big hand. They sound better together. Everybody say better together. In other words, God did not design us to do this Christian journey solo. God did not call us to do this all by ourselves. We're not meant to just, uh, you know, walk this journey alone. He says, when someone falls alone, they're in real trouble. When we don't have a friend, when we don't have a brother or a sister, and I want to really come after the spirit of loneliness today, because it is an epidemic. It is an epidemic right now in our generation. Research shows that over half of America feels lonely, even in 2024. Like as, as, uh, as most recently in the last three months, they did a study to see if things have changed. They said younger generations feel even more lonely than older generations. I thought that was really interesting that, that over half of our nation is dealing with this feeling of loneliness and loneliness leads to depression, anxiety. It leads to stress, worry, insecurity, a low self-esteem, low self-image. Ultimately, people who are lonely, you can be in church, you can be a Christian and still be battling loneliness doesn't mean you're bad or that you lost your salvation. It just means we got to get our minds and our hearts renewed and learn how to make friends, like how to be in healthy community and how to make good, healthy relationships in our life, because that's what we're designed for. He goes on to say this. He says, when two people are lying close together, they can keep each other warm. But how can one person be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back. Ashley, will you just step up here? I need you to just stand back to back with me, right? This is what he says. He says, when two are standing back to back and we move and we groove, right? And we learn the dance, we can stand back to back. She's got my back. Turn to the person next to say, who's got your back? Who's got your back? But, but when I'm alone, I don't have anyone watching my back. This is why the devil thrives on isolation. The devil loves to get Christians all alone. The devil is not afraid of a large church. He's afraid of a united church. He's afraid of a church that is in strong community. We need each other. We're not meant to just walk into a building and walk out. Like we could do that at a basketball game. You could go watch an ORU basketball game. You can walk in and walk out. You can walk into a Thunder game. You can walk into a concert, walk in and out. But in church, God wants us connected with each other. He wants us praying with each other. He wants us coming down to the altar and praying for other people. He wants us leaning in and you go, well, nobody's inviting me to do it. Here's your invitation. Come and be a part. Come and get in a connect group, lead a group, start a Bible study, come and be a part of our altar counseling. We showed pictures of the Dream Center outreach yesterday. Y'all, we are better together. 200 people from church showed up at the West and North Dream Center to go and minister to the people, and we changed a neighborhood yesterday. We helped meet needs in our city yesterday. We can do a whole lot more together than we can do alone.
Psalm 133 says that how good and pleasing it is when brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Right? There, there's a beauty in unity. I need your help for a second. Put your phone and Bible down. I want you to just kind of get your hands like this. Just, yeah, yeah. Just get ready for the, get ready for it. I don't know what we're getting ready for, but just get ready. <laughs> Listen to that. That sounds good. The sound of all of us doing something together in unity. Yeah, keep making that noise. Sounds like a gentle, soft rain. Now go like this. Guys, we just made it rain right here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Give yourself a hand. Did you hear the rain? We couldn't have heard it if it was just one of you. Like if it was just one guy on the band. But when all of us started doing it together, there's three things that happen when we really leave lonely behind. Number one, we get in unity. This is not just a good idea. This is God's commandment. This is God's commandment that brothers and sisters would dwell together in unity. In fact, God says in Proverbs, one of the biggest things that he dislikes is people who stir up division in friendships. Like what, what, what God, what breaks God's heart is when people stir up quarrels, gossip, strife, slander, and separate close friends. We're going to disappoint each other. We're human. But don't let a conflict kill community. Don't let a moment of disagreement or disappointment cause you to just cancel people. That's cancel culture. Kingdom culture says, hey, let's work through this. Let's, let's get through this. Let's stay unified. Psalm 133 verse three says, the blessing of the Lord rests on the group of people that are in unity. When we're in unity, the blessing of the Lord shows up. You, listen, the, the size of God's blessing is gonna be connected to the size of your for, forgivability in friendships, relationships, to stay in unity. Secondly, when we leave lonely behind, we step into harmony. When we were singing earlier, um, lean on me, I was singing all over the place. But there were other people that were singing different parts. Some were singing the low note, lean on me when you're not strong. Some were singing the high part, lean on me. And that high and that low and that me medium, mid-range, whatever it is, it created harmony. And harmony is when all of us are doing something different, but we're doing it together. All of us are making a different sound, but we're doing it together. We're in unity. It creates this beautiful sound when someone's singing low, when the older generation is working with the younger generation, when single people are working with married people, when, when mothers are working with daughters and fathers are working with sons and brothers and sisters are dwelling in unity and we're all doing our part. Ushers and greeters and connect group leaders and dream center, people working with kids ministry and youth ministry, people who feel called to, to certain different gifts and when we're all doing our part, everybody say, I have a part. So important, when you're, when you're in a choir, you have a part. Your part might be different than someone else's part, but your part is just as important. Don't miss your part. Don't miss your moment. The devil tries to convince us to think that my part doesn't matter, that I'm not needed around here. I was talking with someone uh, not too long ago, and they were like, I don't know if I'm really needed. You are needed. You are needed. This is a conversation that comes up every year. Like, even within our family, how do we communicate with each other? You are needed. I need you. You need me. Because the enemy tries to convince us I'm not really needed. I'm not really valuable. My part doesn't really matter. 
Y'all, when we do altar calls every single week, there's like 100 plus people that will come down and it's beautiful and powerful. But as a pastor, I want you to see something that I see. I see certain people come down to the altar and no one is standing behind them to pray with them. And that breaks my heart because I'm like, next time someone comes up to me and says, I don't feel needed, you're pushing me out to pasture, I don't have a party here, I'm gonna be like, look at the altar call. There is a young man that needs a father. There's a young woman that needs a mother. You need to disciple these people. It may not be a huge part, but it's a big part because if you change that girl's life, you could change her whole family. You could break generational curses. If you come down and pray with this guy, you have no clue what's on the other side of you showing up down at the altar to pray with people. Don't ever let the devil convince you my part's not that important. It's not a big part. It's just as important as this part. And we create a harmony. And thirdly, we create synergy. Synergy, when we combine all of our fruit, our actions as believers, we bring a combined productivity that leads to a massive change. It doesn't matter who's in the White House, we should vote, we should do our part to vote, but at the end of the day, if God's house is united, we can change a nation, we can bring revival, we can reverse what, what, what kind of demonic laws are trying to come in and mess up the next generation. We can say, not on our watch. We need to stop waiting on the White House to fix all the problems. It's God's house. It's our turn. It's our time. Let's turn the city upside down. But this requires all of us to be in unity. God says, let it start in this house. In Genesis 2, verse 18, God's, God created humanity, he created the very first humans. And when he started with Adam, he said this, it is not good for man to be alone. I think that's really interesting. I think you should underline that scripture. It is not good for man to be alone. Next time a believer comes up to you and says, I don't need church, I don't need community, I just follow God all by myself, all by myself, just wanna be all by myself. Some people use this excuse, they go, God is easy to love, it's people I got a hard time with, right? I know God loves me, I love God, but I just don't get along with people and he called me to be a lone ranger Christian, I'm just doing it all by myself, it's anti-gospel. When Jesus actually started his ministry, he didn't start it alone. He went and got Peter, James, and John. Then he got Thomas. He got guys that he knew would disappoint him. Think about this. Jesus risked relationally on guys he knew would betray him. He walked three years with Judas. So what is your excuse to go, I just can't trust people, I've been hurt by people. Jesus was hurt by everyone. And yet, even after he ascends into heaven, after the resurrection, he goes, hey, people who hurt me, all the church hurt people that hurt me, I need you to start the next church. And we're like, don't trust these guys. They're gonna mess it up. They're humans. They're gonna disappoint everybody. And yet Jesus trusted humans. We should trust each other too. But the enemy convinces, I can't trust anybody. I'm suspicious about everybody. People hurt me and people hurt my family and I just can't get along with anybody. We've got to learn to risk relationally because this is the way God designed us to be. Like when one day we're all gonna die, one day we're all gonna step into eternity, happy Super Bowl Sunday. Um, we're all going to end up at a funeral someday, our own, and we'll realize what life is really all about. That it's not about how much money you make, what car you drive, what house you live in, how famous you were on Instagram. It's about the relationships you built. It's about the people you spent time with. It's about the people that knew you and that you knew and that you invested in. By the way, every sin we commit most of the times has to do with isolation. We commit sins alone or we commit sins in the wrong company. Paul the apostle, he says, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. 
Bad company corrupts good character. So we don't just need relationships, we need godly relationships. We need the right people. Acts 16, verse 22, it says, they threw Paul and Silas in prison. Paul and Silas were thrown into jail together. And then around, in verse 26, it says, around midnight, they started worshiping together. Everybody say together. As they were worshiping together, their prayers together, their worship together, their friendship together, the, hey, I'm with you in the high times and the low times. There is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. When you have a friend that's loyal with you, that's got your back, it says suddenly an earthquake began to shake the prison doors. There's something powerful about godly community. There's something powerful about a godly brotherhood, a godly sister, like a godly friendship in your life. Because when you have it, you might be one friendship away from a breakthrough. You might be one friendship away from breaking a bad habit in your life. You might be one community away from developing some strong disciplines in 2024. But I'll tell you this, we can't win the mind games in isolation. Depression, suicidal thoughts, anxiety, fear, you need community. You need friends. You need a counselor. You need a mentor. You need someone in your You need a brother. You need accountability. You need someone who's checking up on you. And you go, well, nobody's going to do that for me. It starts with me and you. We have to take the first step. Proverbs 18 verse 1 says, the man who isolates himself, the woman who isolates herself, seeks her own desire. In other words, it is a selfish mindset that says, I don't need people. It says he breaks out against all sound judgment. So his family is like, please, please stop pushing everybody away. And he goes, you don't know what's best for me. I know what's best for me. And in that isolation, I was talking to a ranch, rancher friend um, here in Oklahoma. And he says, my dog got killed by a pack of coyotes. And he said, here's how it happened. My dog sits on the front porch every day watching the sunrise, watching the sunset. And here's how the coyotes kill dogs in Oklahoma. Um, they'll send a decoy. They'll send one coyote near the house, just prancing in front of the house. He said, I, I watched it happen. I tried to get my dog to come back inside, and the dog was distracted by this one coyote that just kept prancing in front of the house, just going like this, just trying to pull the dog away from the house, just trying to get the dog away from his own, just trying to get the dog away from where he knew he was supposed to be. This is how the devil works with prodigals, trying to pull the prodigal son away from the father's house. Everything you need is out here in the world. The church doesn't know what's best for you. God's word, just deconstruct it. Just leave community. You don't need these people. You don't need a preacher. You don't need God. You don't need a covering. You don't need a house. Just come on. And the dog ran off the porch and followed that single coyote thinking, I could take this coyote. What he didn't know is that coyote ran into the woods with a pack of 12 other coyotes. And he said, my dog was mauled to death. He said, this is how the devil works. He lures us away from the house, from community, from relationships. We need each other. We need each other. I want to give you real quickly four ways that we can leave lonely behind. Four ways we can leave lonely behind. Number one, make time to build quality relationships. It sounds so practical and so simple, and yet very few people really take this seriously. Make time. You have to put relationships at the top of your priority list. So often we are so task focused that we forget people are more important than tasks. People, building relationships with people, and I'm talking about the people God's called you to do life with. So a couple of people here in the church that maybe God wants you to walk with, in your family, your spouse, your children. Don't let the television be the babysitter for your kids. Make time for your kids. 
Invest in them. Speak to them. I'm so thankful my parents didn't just say, hey, sit down. TV's going to watch you for you know, the next 12 days, and we'll be back uh, from Russia after this missions trip. They, they made sure we were spending time together. We would have a family meal together. right? I watched my parents keep the date night. I watched my dad keep a friend in his life. Watched my mom keep a friend in her life, Ginger, and different ones that they just built relationship with. Let's go fishing together. God loves it when believers are dwelling together in healthy relationships, but it takes work. We have to make time for this. I heard this story about this mountain climber who was climbing to the top of the peak of a mountain. He had been working for days to get to this peak, and um, he was just about three hours away from the top. So he was almost there, about a football field away. And it was like inch by inch. It was a lot of effort and work. He had trained for this for, for many years. And as he's getting closer to the top, he looks out of the corner of his eye and he sees another man huddled in the snow all by himself. And he can tell something's not right. But he thinks to himself, if I stop to help this man, I may not have strength to get to the top. If I get to the top and leave this man behind, he might die. So the mountain climber's thinking, you know, do I care more about the top of the mountain or do I care about saving a person's life? So he goes over and he checks on the man. And the man is freezing to death. He's got frostbite. And um, so this professional climber begins massaging him, massaging his shoulders, just speaking, come on, I need you to live. Don't die on me. You're going to make it. And so he lifts him, puts him on his back, carries him down to the, the half point base camp. There's a doctor there. The doctor begins to get this man back to life and, and, and healthy and then checks on the other professional climber and realizes this climber also had frostbite. He didn't realize it. And the doctor says, had you not stopped to help this man, you would have made it to the top, but you would have died at the top. When you stopped to save his life, you saved your life too. You didn't know how much you needed to pause. You were exhausted and you were pushing yourself to the top. See, when we help others live, oftentimes we save our own lives. When we help others win, you never lose when you help another man win. When you make time to invest in other relationships, helping other people, like spending time with brothers, sisters, getting in a connect group, getting in a restore class. I think about how grand grand and my mom and different ones in this church invested in me, invested in you, that here we are today standing on the shoulders of people who made relationships a priority in their life so that we could have a church 40 plus years later with an amazing ministry and campus and a school and a camp and a college and a dream center, all because people invested in relationships. It wasn't money that built this church. It was people that built this church. It was brothers and sisters, families working together. I got a phone call from my old youth pastor this past week, just checking up on me. We haven't, we haven't seen each other physically in person for over a decade. He was my youth pastor when I was 15. And then he moved and worked at Life Church in Oklahoma City. And then he worked in Las Vegas at a church there. And then Worked in Florida, and now he's a pastor in Minnesota. And he just said, hey, Paul, how you doing? Just checking up on you. And I thought, man, I'm so thankful that my youth pastor wasn't just a preacher on a stage, but he relationally invested in us as teenagers. He played video games with us. He tried to come to our basketball games. I just want to say this. One day when we get into eternity, we won't know all the people that we touched, but God will begin to show us. There, there's going to be a long football line of people that I know invested in me that will literally be like God's like, these are the people, Paul, that made you who you were today. You stand on the shoulders of Sharon, Billy Joe, Cranger, and so many people in this church, and the same goes for you. 
It's because people made time for us. Number two, speak words of life into others. Don't just make time for people. Speak life into people. Ephesians 4.29 says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth except for words that build others up. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. This is a good verse for me to hear and for all of us to hear. All right, I need some help for a second. Um, Daniel, you come up here and grab this bucket, and I need a couple more guys to grab some buckets. Because oftentimes, our life is filled with people who are pouring into us, and vice versa. We're pouring into other people, and I want you all to just bring those buckets all the way up here. How full is your bucket? Who is speaking life into you, right? Who's pouring into you? And I, I want you to, Drew, just pour a little bit into Daniel, uh, just a little bit, because this is, this is what happens. When Drew speaks life into Daniel, it begins to fill his bucket. And then Daniel speaks life into Drew. He says, man, Drew, you're doing a great job, right? And it goes, for, goes on. I want you guys just to pour into the next room. Because Drew feels filled up by the words of encouragement at work, he's going to pour into Juan. Juan. Just pour back into Juan, and, and the list goes on. But here's what happens that the enemy tries to do to us. When we're not careful, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? So you have someone speaking life into you, but then you get upset. They hurt your feelings. They let you down. This, is, this illustration is getting kind of crazy here. And, and what happens is the enemy comes in and he pokes holes in your relationships. And so your wife is trying to encourage you, but it just goes, it goes in, but it's out. The pastor preaches a sermon that, that like the Lord is speaking directly to you, but by Monday morning, it's gone. And you're like, why am I losing so much encouragement in my life? So much hope. Like I, I'm taking notes in church and I've, I've got people that love me, but I just feel so alone and I feel so discouraged. It's because we have undealt with emotional and mental wounds and holes in our life that no matter how many friends you have, you could have an awesome men's discipleship class, but you have all these different holes. And God called us to be holy, not holy. That's a dad joke for you right there. Um, and, and, and so we go through hurts and wounds and relationships. Has anyone been disappointed by a friend? Anyone been betrayed? Anyone ever had a Judas or you were a Judas? No one's going to admit that. Like, yeah, it's me. I'm the Judas guy. All right. Um, but Jesus had people that he counted on that let him down. And it could have caused Jesus to go, hey, I got holes in my hands, holes in my feet. Right? He did. The nails went through. But he became a healed whole savior on the other side of forgiving, loving, and saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And it, until we get to a place of really healed relationship, we're going to be leaking in all of our relationships. No one will ever be enough for us. We'll constantly feel lonely. Someone will text us, say an encouraging word, but we just, I just still feel discouraged. We have to deal with these holes. And one of the ways we deal with these holes, I'm getting an amen over there from my baby friend. Um, they're into this, they're into this. Uh, but one of the ways we deal with our holes is by speaking the word of God, not just over others, but over ourselves. Give these guys a big hand. We'll just. We'll leave that bucket. Just let it, yeah, sit it right there. It's a good reminder. I think this, I want the band to come out. Y'all are like, why does Paul just keep hurting the floor with so much water? 
Guys, I'm, we're gonna put a fan on. This is the last week I drip water right here, okay? For a long time. I just got an amen from another baby friend out there. Um, we're gonna dry this up. It's gonna be clean, it's gonna be strong. I wanna shout out our facilities team. They're amazing. I'm gonna help y'all out today. I'll clean up my own mess here. The band should come out because we should close this here. But 1 Thessalonians says, uh, encourage one another. Encourage one another. Build each other up just as you were doing. There's a calling on us to speak life. And you got to speak it over others. You got to speak it over yourself. I got a phone call uh, or a text message this past week from Joel Osteen. And I hadn't heard from him in a while. And he just said, Paul, checking up on you. Love you, my friend. I want to spend time with you this year. And invited me to come and see him. And um, he just said, He's like, you and Ashley are doing a great job. And he said, I'm really proud of you. Well done on your book. And I thought, this guy is so busy, but he took that moment to speak life. And it really, in that moment, just convicted me. I was like, I need to text some people right now and just speak life into some guys and just encourage them and celebrate them. Just sow a seed into them. And so I just started thinking about it because God designed us to pour into each other. God designed us to pour into each other. And God called us to be like, the health of your bucket, the health of your heart, the health of your mindset is going to determine if you can even hold what God is trying to pour into you. Because God could send me, God could send Jolos, God could send all kinds of opportunities. But if you have an unhealed mind, unhealed heart, those words are just going to go in one ear, out the other ear. And the insecurity comes back and the loneliness comes back and nobody cares for me and I feel so alone. So we gotta, we gotta challenge that narrative in our mind and go, no, 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 I'm not alone. God has surrounded me with people that I need to learn to trust and forgive. Number three, be generous with others. Be generous with others. Think about who you could bless this week. You've all been given gifts. First Peter four, verse 10 says, each of us should use whatever gift. Everybody say, I have a gift. You have a gift, you have a gift. You have resources, you have treasure. Each of us should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. A month, a month ago, we celebrated my friend Wayne Cates, who went on to be with the Lord. And, and people started talking about what kind of man Wayne was. Secret testimonies. One of the secret testimonies about Wayne is that he secretly blessed a lot of different teenagers over the last 15 years with full ride missions trips that he paid for out of his own pocket. That Wayne would ask, he would go over to our missions office and say, hey, what teenager hasn't raised enough money yet to go to Honduras? Hey, what, what kid is like barely there to pay for their plane ticket to go to Mexico this year? And Wayne would say, all right. And he would write the check. Here's $800. I want to pay for them to go. Those testimonies will go with Wayne into eternity. You know what won't go with Wayne into eternity? His truck. He had a good truck, but it's not going to heaven. You know what won't, go, what, what, what won't go into heaven? His house. It's a good house, but it doesn't go into heaven. All of our materials that we use for us don't really go with us into heaven, but what we do for others will go with us into eternity. It echoes decades after we're gone. Who are you blessing? What resources has God given you? You know, I think about the scripture, 1 Peter 4, verse 10. It says, use whatever gift God has given you. Whatever gift you've received, use it to serve others. Anyone in this room have some gifts? Yeah, let me just tell you, you do. And, and someone was asking me, they said, Paul, is there any room for my gifts here in the church? They said, um, I just don't know if you, you, it's a big church. You already got all your needs met. You already got everything figured out. I was like, no, we don't. The bigger the church, the bigger the need. 
The larger the gathering of people, the larger the need for people to minister to that large gathering of people. And I, I, I actually said something. I said, um, when you see altar calls at church, I want you to look at something that I look at. And they said, what do you mean? I said, here's what I see. I see about 100 people come down to an altar call some, some weekends, sometimes 50, sometimes more than 100. And I see a lot of people who are standing down here by themselves. I see maybe 30 or 40 different altar workers that will come down and pray with somebody. So I looked at this person who's well advanced in their wisdom. And I said, don't ever think you're being pushed out to pasture. There's a young guy that needs a father. There's a young girl that needs a mother. There's someone in the back row here that's been going to church for 50 years. And, and there's people down here in the front that have been going to church for five days. And if you ever wonder, is there a need for me here? Is there a need for my gifts? Your gifts are needed every single Sunday morning at this altar. We need people to pray with someone. We, need, we have sheep without a shepherd. We, we need people that are being discipled. I, I don't, you know, me, me and Ashley, we try to spend as much time as possible with as many church members as we can, but we also have five kids to raise, which is a whole church in itself. That's a church within a church. We're building a basketball team. We got a starting five. We're trying to get the bench ready. No, I'm just kidding. We're done. But sometimes we get blessed and we forget that the blessing God gave us is meant to, to be a blessing to someone else. God gave you that house to host and minister to people. God gave you that car to give people rides. God blessed you with that, that money, not just to keep it to yourself and hoard it to yourself so one day you have a lot of money when you die. Like live to give. We make, a, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Who can you bless? Who could you be generous with? And I'll tell you, a lot of friendships begin with a generous blessing. A lot of friendships, like you wanna make friends, be generous. Buy somebody's meal this week. Just say, hey, I wanna take you out to eat. I wanna pay for your lunch. I wanna buy you a coffee. And you go, well, Paul, that feels like I'm paying for their friendship. You're not paying for their friendship. You're starting the friendship off in the right direction. Generosity is never a loss in your life. Anytime you sow a seed into somebody else, I promise you never lose when you sow a seed. If you have a need, sow a seed. You need encouragement, give encouragement. You need somebody to buy you a coffee, buy someone a coffee. When we live with this generous eye, this generous heart, you go, I just wish that some people would come to my house, check up on me, call me and text me. During COVID, you know what Grand Grand did? She just started calling multiple people every day, just checking up on them, just calling, how you doing? How you doing? Just want you to know you're seen, you're heard, you're loved, you're valuable, you're not alone. If you feel alone, I want you to flip that need of loneliness, turn it into a seed. Start reaching out to other people. Start inviting other people to lunch. And, and tonight, just show up at somebody's Super Bowl party. Just say, Pastor Paul said I could come. Just knock on the door. <laughs> Number four, pray for and pray with others. Pray for and pray with others. This is my last point right here. Um, Acts 2 verse 42 says they devoted themselves to the teaching of the apostles. So they would show up at church, listen to a good message. Or if, if it's not that good to you, listen to an okay message. And then they would fellowship. They would talk about it. Let's say, hey, let's talk about that message. Let's talk about winning in the mind. Let's talk about, let's talk about uh, the book of Acts. Let's talk about 1 Peter 4. How do we use our gifts to serve one another? Break this down with somebody. Talk it out in a connect group. Get in one of these groups that we were talking about earlier. Get in discipleship class. This is what they did. And then, and then it says they prayed with each other. So they would go, what do you need prayer for? I'm really struggling. I just lost my job. Um, our family really needs a breakthrough right now in our finances. Our, our marriage is really in a tight time right now. They would open up and be honest. They would trust each other. These were the guys that let Jesus down. 
And yet here they are, they're learning to trust each other. My last illustration, I need six dudes, just stand right here. Um, I promise you no water is in this situation. Okay, the water's over. We're gonna, I'm gonna get that fixed later. Yeah, I want you to just make a line right here. We're gonna do a trust fall. I'm a little concerned with all this situation here. You guys got my back? You got my back? I'm sorry if I've ever offended any of you guys. Please don't drop me. You ever feel like you're getting tricked by people? They're like, tell us what you need prayer for. We won't tell anybody about it. And then it's like just texting all their friends, gossiping about you. You ever wonder who really has your back? I think that's one of the biggest questions that we ask the older we get is like, man, who really has my back? Like, who's really, who's really gonna help me? Who, and, and by the way, we need to flip that and go, who am I going to help? Whose back am I gonna get? Like, instead of always thinking about who's inviting me to their gatherings and who's got my back and who's checking up on me and who's being my sister and my friend and my brother, we need to flip it and go, who can I hold that's falling right now? Who can I catch and lift back up? Who can I surround that's walking through a trial right now? Whose secret can I hold on to and never tell anybody about and walk them through victory and restoration and reconciliation? Whose back am I going to get? So when we pray for, pray with one another, we have to trust each other. We have to learn to trust each other. So I'm gonna trust these guys. I'm gonna fall back on y'all. Maybe I'll run. What if I run and do a 360? Daniel's saying, no, bro, it's too much. It's too much. <laughs> you got to know how far you can go with your friends. You can't go too far, you know. Uh, all right, I trust you guys. Y'all got me? Are you sure you got me? I'm feeling lonely right now. All right, okay. All right, here we go. Falling. Come on, Jesus. Come on, that was a, that, they just caught about a 200 pound, maybe buck 90. Uh, get, stand up on your feet all over this place. We gotta learn to trust each other. We gotta learn to hold each other. And we gotta learn that when we fall, we're not alone. Everybody say, I'm not alone. I'm not alone. My wife told me in between that, that video that was playing right before the sermon, she was like, fix your pants. It's a little bit. She's checking up on me. She's watching out for me. I'm so glad my wife is looking after me. But all of us need somebody that's looking after us. And it starts with us doing that for somebody else. Discipleship class kicks off this week. Restore class kicks off this week. Groups launch this week. And if there's not a group you want to join, start a group. You go, hey, I'm at ORU. Can I start a group of girls or guys and we just do a Bible study? Go for it. Like, do something in community. Build relationships. Don't feel like you have to walk this alone. You're not alone. I want us just to close our eyes all over this place. Lord, I pray for every person here today that we would have the best year of our life. I pray that 2024 would be a year of more. God, more of your grace, more of your favor, more of your love, 
more fulfillment in relationships. I pray for more healing, more restoration, more reconciliation. Where the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, 2024 is a year to get it all back. I thank you, Lord, this is the year you restore what the devil tried to steal. I thank you, this is the year, God, that you begin to heal hearts and minds that have been hurt in relationships. I pray for the man in the room that's been let down, betrayed, disappointed. I pray for the woman in the room that's been let down, hurt, betrayed, disappointed, that this year, God, is a year you begin to heal hearts, draw us back into healthy, godly relationships, God. Lord, I thank you for that relationship of Paul and Silas, that the breakthrough came through their combined prayer, their combined praise. I thank you, Lord, for the revival that started in Acts as a result of unified camaraderie, unified brothers and sisters working together, praying together, fellowshipping together. I thank you that revival is going to sprout in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at Victory Church. Let it come out of our connect groups. Let it come out of our Bible studies. Let it come out of 11 a.m. service. Let it overflow into homes as we break bread and pray together as we worship you, Lord. I pray, God, for healing and restoration. If you're here today with every head bowed, every eye closed, and the Lord is speaking to you that this year is a year you invest in the relationships, godly relationships that he's called you to walk in. Maybe this sermon was just stirring you to take another step into those godly, healthy relationships, leaving loneliness behind. If that's you, just raise your hand all over this room. God's talking to you. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Yes. From the front to the back. You're not alone. You're not alone. If the enemy's been just messing with you, making you feel lonely, I want you to raise your hand. Today's your day to say, devil, you're defeated. I'm going to walk in victory this year in my mind, my heart, my relationships, in all these areas of my life. If you're here today and you just say, man, I just, I need God to bless me with some good friends this year. I need to be a good friend and I need God to surround me with some good friends. If that's you, raise your hand. If you raised your hand or wanted to raise your hand, would you leave your seat? Come and meet me at this altar. We're going to cheer on brave men, brave women, brave moms and dads, maybe entire families, couples today. Maybe you're single today and you just go, man, I want to be a better friend to my friends this year. I want to surrender areas of my heart where I have not trusted, where I've been selfish, maybe where I've been prideful, where I've thought about what they're doing for me, and I want to flip it this year. Maybe you're here right now and you just have a lot of needs and you go, I need to turn these needs into seeds. I need to sow a seed of generosity into other people. Maybe the Lord's just challenging you, just giving your heart to him just to make this year a year that you invest in others, you pour into others. Maybe you've got some holes in the bucket of your heart, your mind, and you go, I just need God to heal some holes of previous pain, previous disappointment. Bring it to the altar. We're just going to worship God. If you're here today and you're not right with Jesus and you need to surrender to him, you need to repent of your sins and let Jesus be Lord of your life, salvation is here. Salvation is here. Come and meet us at this altar. Come and join us. You're not alone. You're not alone. If you want someone to come with you, turn to the person next to you. Will you go down to that altar call with me? I don't want to be alone. No man should be standing alone at this altar. No woman should be standing alone. We are in this together. Let's just take a minute. Let's just worship God. Let's just sing this song to the Lord right now.
in your love to those around us. God, show us how to be a good friend. Lord, show us how to live with the same love that you lived with your friends. You laid your life down. You walked in forgiveness. You treated everyone with kindness. You invested time and words of life everything you had into the people around you. Lord, I pray that you would help us, God, to live beyond ourselves. Just pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I surrender. Your will, your way is what I want. Help me, Lord, to be a good friend. Surround me, Lord, with good friends that point me to you. Holy Spirit, Heal my heart of any wounds that I've been holding against other people. Help me, Lord, to walk in wholeness, to walk in healing. You've saved me. Now help me walk out that salvation with a renewed mind, with a renewed heart. I repent of my sins. I receive your forgiveness. I confess you as my Lord and Savior. I'm all yours, God. In Jesus' name.